on today's show. Sort of crazy to think, though, that you, 24-year-old, um, I remember just recently in my Facebook feed, I saw a picture pop up of you ringing the bell um, on the 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 NYSE, right? Like the we did both the actually. Stock Exchange yeah. and Nasdaq, right? Like <laughs> it's sort of fucking bonkers. And excuse my language, but like you have to think back on that and is a little bit like surreal. Yeah. Totally, completely surreal. I mean, yeah. you just sort of forgot. You're like, oh yeah, we actually did both, right? Like that's how surreal the whole thing is. Yeah, I don't. I'm not sure how many people can say they've rung both bells. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you did. Turns yeah. out, fun experience. Five, four, three, two, one, one. Welcome to the Creator Institute podcast. Your host, Eric Koster. Mark Nogger is a stud. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. He's an amazing human. Uh, he's one of those people that sort of will just surprise you when you hear some of the stories. He's one of the few people that has ever got to ring both the New York Stock Exchange bell and the NASDAQ bell. Sort of crazy for a kid who basically dropped out of his business school degree about a weekend realizing this wasn't going to be the thing that helped him stand out. Uh, Mark has had a new fascinating early adventures to his career. Um, he was was the CEO and co-founder of Startup Weekend. Startup Weekend was really a force for entrepreneurship around the globe, helping serve hundreds of thousands of entrepreneurs everywhere from places throughout you know, America and Silicon Valley, Iowa, Texas, New York, all over the place, and places that may surprise you, places like Iran, places like Dubai, places like Jordan, places like Israel. I mean, the stories behind the power of entrepreneurship being spread through Startup Weekend really will will blow your mind away. Um, but what Mark really talks a lot about is this power of of creating something kind of without the the objective to necessarily get rich from it or make money. He really sort of took on the reins of Startup Weekend because he felt a calling, a, a purpose, a way to build community around what he was doing. And I think that's the power of Startup Weekend as a creation event for Mark. Um, he has had an, an incredible adventures. He's uh, now running sort of new types of programs throughout Colorado to really help spread the power of sort of early stage investment, really spread economic development throughout the state and, and see if we can take kind of the early stage startup ecosystem to places that may not be sort of on the map for many of us. Uh, Mark is an awesome guy, understated as you can tell, but I think more importantly, Mark is someone who really does showcase that sometimes taking a risk, doing something without a clear economic aim in mind can be the thing that changes it all. Mark Nogger, ladies and gentlemen. Mark! <laughs> Eric. Uh, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad that you decided of all places to jump on a plane and come hang out with us in Washington, D.C. Just for you, really. Just for me, really. Yeah. It's a total lie, but I appreciate it, <laughs> uh, of all the places. Uh, how, many, how many miles was the most you ever booked on a startup weekend year? Do you remember? Oh, Airline miles? I didn't even count. There had to be a lot. Well, once you hit the platinum status, <laughs> not even trying, just booking the cheapest flights possible. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> this is like this is like you you were so scrappy that you were not trying to save sit to uh, to save miles. It was just trying to keep the boat afloat. When, when I was the twenty four year old, you know, getting upgraded in the first class, and yeah. everybody was looking around saying, "What the hell is this joker doing here?" Felt I, like you'd was, made it at that point. Uh, like, why know, is this like guy that. wearing like tivas and uh, shorts? And uh, <laughs> it was quite. I mean. Uh, we were just chatting earlier, right? It's sort of crazy to think, though, that you, 24-year-old, 
Um, I remember just recently in my Facebook feed, I saw a picture popping up of you ringing the bell um, on the 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 NYSE, right? Like the we did both the actually. stock exchange yeah. Nasdaq, right? Like <laughs> it's sort of fucking bonkers. And excuse my language, but like you have to think back on that and as a little bit like surreal. Yeah, totally. completely surreal. I mean, yeah. you just sort of forgot. You're like, oh yeah, we actually did both, right? Like that's how surreal the whole thing is. Yeah, I don't. I'm not sure how many people can say they've rung both bells. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you did. Turns yeah. out, fun experience. Um, I'm gonna make sure that I have this. Sometimes I forget about to turn it on. Nope, you know what? I didn't turn this one on, so it's a good thing I did. Um, yeah, no, I don't know how many people can say they rang, rung both bells, but you are one of those very people who gets to say you rang them both. Yeah. Uh, yeah, crazy to think. How do, do you, do you, uh, like, you know, that experience in a lot of ways was something that probably, you know, you were like an entrepreneurship major in, in college, right? No, no you weren't. not okay. at all. Yeah. Because I, I remember you gave your, like, you gave the val- the the speech at graduation for your college. The, the funny thing is, yeah, I, I, one of my best moments was being able to give the commencement speech for both yeah. undergrad and in graduate school. Yeah. And the ironic thing was I had you know, five years previously, something like that, <laughs> dropped out of <laughs> my MBA program. Yeah. Um, and so I got to give the commencement speech to the folks who were graduating from the class I would have been in. <laughs> it's, uh, it's wild to think. It so, is really wild to think. Yeah. I, I tell people a lot of times, and I think you in the history books may not get credit for this one. And you're going to basically, because you're a humble guy, you're not going to take this. But I really do think that there's a lot of people in a lot of like ecosystems that will look back on the decision you made to take a road trip from Seattle to Colorado and have an owe you a debt. Um, and, and even me, right? Like, I mean, I think my journey as an entrepreneur formally really happened because of a sort of weekend, uh, sort of first getting to like believe and then second getting to start one company and a second company in the sort of in this network. Um, but I mean, I think realistically, I think you will be able to look back on this period of this sort of seven to 10 year journey that you were kind of in it. And I think you'll have inspired and helped a lot of people pursue their dreams. Is that sort of weird to hear out here said out loud? It, I've had a lot of time to think about this. Yeah. Um, I think it's just really, really something special. I've been fortunate enough to have, you know, right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of luck, you know, a lot of great people that mm-hmm. we surrounded ourselves with that mm-hmm. helped us, you know, I think have an outside Present company back. excluded, of course. <laughs> yes. You know, for, for better or for worse, I think we had, you know, a big, we played a big role in kind of like startup communities, you know, the, the startup revolution that's happened in the last right. decade. right. Does it look weird now sort of seeing, uh, you know, some places sort of have figured pieces out, right? Like you see, you know, when you started, Boulder was not really a thing yet, right? It wasn't sort of a just, yeah. just becoming a thing. Uh, even some of the stuff that's happening in Europe and Asia, like it's it's matured in a way that I think surprise, surprises everyone yeah. to see how communities have become a real, real community. There's like real life businesses being built on communities about it all. Yeah, and I think that's kind of part of my, as we were discussing earlier, part of my whole origin story too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. It kind of all comes back to that. Yeah, so I got to be there for the origin story in some ways a little bit, but I, I think what I what I like about your story a little bit is it kind of out of some failure type stuff, some mm-hmm. sort of failures in businesses, you kind of backed your way into a creation opportunity, which I think uh, you probably didn't realize it would become the 
the business that would let you ring the bell in both stock exchanges no and clue. commencement address. No clue. Um, but I'd love for you to tell the story a little bit of kind of you and this like starting companies, kind of not knowing, and then the light bulb, hey, we should go to Boulders. Could you just tell that little story um, for a minute? Yeah. So I think I'm going to take it back a little bit further. So I was sitting in my uh, graduate class. I had lived abroad, lived in Switzerland for a little bit. I'd had a couple jobs. Um, found myself, uh, had a business degree, found myself basically becoming an engineer, mm-hmm. looked around, um, joined graduate school, looked around my class and kind of just asked myself one question. I had one mentor who, who asked me, do you want to be the same place where everybody else is going? <laughs> Interesting. And I had this like real gut check and I looked around the room one day and I said, no, second semester of my MBA program. And it was just fascinating to step back and admit that to myself. So within a week, I quit. And then I was looking for other jobs, found a job in Seattle. Hmm. Um, So that kind of sent me there. And I just realized that I was going to have to pave my own path. And it was going to be different than other people. I was totally lost, had no clue what I was doing. And you were at this point 22, 23? 22. 22. Yeah. You you sound like many 22-year-olds who are like, aspirational, had this desire to be something, but sort of didn't quite see a path. And so for you, graduate school was like going to be the solution. And maybe you wised up for before too long before you could get your, uh, before your deposit couldn't be gotten back and, uh, and said like, okay, this ain't going to do it. Yeah. I got out of undergrad and I had this like promise and it was like, holy shit, what, what, what now? Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, somehow I went on like 20 job interviews. I got two of them, I think, turned two down, and the other ones didn't get in any of them. Um, so it was just a real dose of reality that yeah. actually you know, my education was really great and valuable in many regards, but somehow I, I was set to be on a different path. Hmm. Um, and so, yeah, ended up in Seattle working for a company, great company, uh, incredible learning experience. Again, more doing like technical stuff, engineering, yeah. and, and yeah. the company went under. Really? Uh, just one day. Yeah. Partner buyout gone wrong. Turns out for 17 years of the 18 years they were in business, one of the partners had been embezzling. <laughs> yes. Who <laughs> doesn't want a little money. embezzling story down again? Yeah, yeah. So the first way to start out. You're like, oh, business, embezzlement. Oh, shit. Yeah. So I uh, learned a lot about how not to uh, structure business deals and, and grow a business. Um, so 120 people, I think, kind of one day just out of out of business. Um, I had a few clients. They were like, great, we'll keep paying you, Mark. Keep doing this. A few mm-hmm. people who wanted to do the work with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of just formed a little company. I realized that, you know, I'd gone, got my degree, yeah. started my MBA program. Like, I've always been super entrepreneurial. Never yep. thought about that term. Right. Um, but I had no freaking clue how to actually start a business. Mm-hmm. You know, the, mm-hmm. the really tactical stuff yeah. of, like, setting up paperwork a bank account. And, yeah, and, like, yeah. Paperwork. And, yeah. So I went to like the local in living in Seattle at the time, local SBA office, yep. local score office. I walked out of there like more confused more than confused I walked than before. <laughs> right, right. Sadly, um, yeah. great people, genuine, you know, interest in helping support. Um, but then, uh, I th- after we had kind of got that up and running and making some, I don't know, like okay money, yeah. like enough to pay the bills. At you're the 22, time. so you're fine, right? Yeah, like, like you don't need a lot. You need some. This this is the spicy ramen you got to upgrade to from the regular ramen. Maybe put an egg in it. Yeah, you know, exactly. Really up the really, calorie really count. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so um, ended up kind of backing into this. This became a business, and then randomly this thing called Startup Weekend showed up, and my buddy Clint was like, "Hey, you got to come do this." Yeah. Uh, it was one of the very first Startup Weekend events. Yeah. And uh, attended. It was a complete cluster in terms of business creation. Mm-hmm. But what I realized is, uh, you know, where do you go when you have a good idea? 
Mm-hmm. Where do you go to actually start something? Mm-hmm. The answer, you don't go to a, a lawyer. Yep. They're really expensive. You were yep. one at the time. Terrible one. <laughs> Still, I was one. Yeah. Um, you don't go to an investor. You're not ready for it. That's this right. isn't Shark Tank. That's not yeah. That's not real life. Right. Um, you don't go to school because that takes four years and there's right. actually very low correlation to <laughs> creating a successful business. Maybe negative correlation. Is Maybe negative, it is. sadly. Yeah. Um, so what? where do you actually go? And I think the answer, the real light bulb that went off was your community. Hmm. Right, and mm-hmm. this event somehow pulled together all of the p- right people. If you know, I was walking around asking these questions about this other business I was working on, and they're like, "Oh, talk to this person. Oh, talk to this person." Yeah, I'm like, "They're all right here." Right, <laughs> right. Where have they been? You know, yeah, the rest of my life, and everybody else I, I kind of noticed was in the same period mm-hmm. of of exploration in their own journeys, mm-hmm. and so that event just helped kind of be a culminating force, and then. It kind of sent us on a road trip, and <laughs> we had all this I- the ideas about how to make this event better. And well, so you though, though before even that, I mean, I think y- you were even living in a town. I mean, we lived in Seattle at the same time. That was, for all intents and purposes, you know, Amazon, Microsoft had both been there. They were boom. Yeah, they were like, you know, there was a lot going on in that place, and yet still, it didn't have this like community that yeah. was sort of missing, and there was. The start of a few things. I remember, you know, there's startup drinks and there's startup this and there's sort of these things, but there wasn't like a structure yet behind it, which is, I think, kind of the interesting thing is like, you know, forecasting out now almost a decade later, there is a lot more structure. You can go on and find, I mean, and some of it is pulled up, but you can go find on Startup Digest, what are the things to see this month? And you can see a lot of those pieces, which I think is kind of an interesting um, change that's happened just in that last decade. So you, sort of at your own, scratching my own itch, like, I don't feel like I find people like me. You found, there's sort of the SBA for business owners, but for startup founders or that sort of people, not as much. Yeah, absolutely, no, kind of found my tribe. All, all of a sudden, I'd been through this whole experience. I was an outcast somehow. Yep, <laughs> yep. And then I found a bunch of other people like me um, and a lot smarter than me, and yeah, I think that was really we the are. start of that start <laughs> of that journey, yeah. So then how did it, how did it happen? Because I think even the story of, the sort of one day, hey, we should go to Boulder thing was kind of a, a it was not pr- as purposeful as, as anything no. that you decided to go to Boulder. How did that whole thing happen of uh, your friend Clint, who became your business partner and uh, one of the closest friends that you'd have for the next bit of time, convince you to go on a road trip to Boulder, Colorado? So one of the guys in that company that got shut down, um, he had to move to the Middle East to actually work with some of the other clients that I was asked. Continuing to do work with, he had a green Lexus. <laughs> so he up and left, and he had a green Lexus, and he put it up for sale. And like after a couple months, he calls me up and says, "Hey, I sold it to this guy in Denver. Would you mind driving the Lexus down? I'll give you like a grand. I don't know. He gave me something to drive it down. Yeah. And literally, I that evening I called Clint and I'm like, "Hey, do you want to go on a road trip with me? My <laughs> girlfriend at the time Ashley couldn't go, you know. So I was yeah. like, well, might as well get a friend, drive yeah. him along yeah, with yeah. me. And uh, yeah, so on the way down. Clint was like, hey, I remember Andrew from Startup Weekend. Yeah, he's in Boulder. Why don't we look him up and go stop by? Really? So that was how structured it was. It was not, it was just go see Andrew. We were delivering a car for just a friend. A green Lexus that changed your whole life. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Like an olive green, like a weird green. Yeah. yeah and Andrew's, <laughs> Andrew is sort of like perhaps the most amazing community uh, creator I've ever met in my entire life. Like he's sort of responsible for some of the ideas behind some of the best creations. And he had conceptualized Completely. Startup Weekend the first time, which was basically a 
you know, which was what when you first went to it? Just sort of a yeah, hundred people show up on a Friday night and pitch ideas. You crowdsource one idea, and then uh, you know by Sunday night there are about forty people left, kind of yep. arguing over how to split equity. Yeah, <laughs> and I remember uh, like I, I think I went to I don't know if I was at the same one as you, but one of the the thing one of the first two Skill is bit. that yeah, that's right. Andrew kind of basically had said, hey, whoever wants to do this, go do it. And so there's him on the screen, basically, like he sort of Skyped in and to tell us sort of what to do. Like, all right, guys, here's what you're going to do. And then we would check in with this like sort of face on the screen. And so that was how my introduction to Andrew, I'm guessing that was a lot of people's introduction to Andrew is this like guy who's like sort of the almost accidental sort of Sherpa of this thing that's happening. Because I think it very quickly went from Boulder to like a dozen cities in like a month, very quickly. You got to hear this about this thing. And I think- Seattle was one of those early cities. Yeah. So you go down to Boulder and you're getting there, don't know Andrew, mm-hmm. basically just say you're going to reach out to him cold. How, how does that whole thing transpire? Uh, there's a Mexican restaurant there and we met on the rooftop in Boulder and <laughs> had chips and a margarita. And <laughs> um, we told Andrew all of our ideas about how to focus on community. He was already moving towards orienting more around community. Yep. And I think we were really also oriented around education. How do you teach somebody the first steps of building a real company? Right. Um, and he was like, "Great! Like, why don't you test out a couple?" And you know, he was incredible enabler. Yeah. Um, handed us the keys, and so we flew back to Seattle, and we started planning two events. Hmm. Um, ended up planning one in Seattle, and then one down in San Francisco. Hmm. And did you know? I think Andrew never saw this as like a business. I mean, he sort of saw this as a community thing. Uh, and you and Clint, at the start, did you see it as a business or was it more like, hey, we want to try this and maybe it's a business? Or how did you think about it? Because it's like, it's not, I mean, you know, it's not particularly glamorous to put on events, right? Like you're like schlepping pizza and like hustling for, I mean, it's a little bit like being a nightclub promoter, right? You're sort of, but with like nerdier yeah. people. And so you're schlepping this stuff around. How did you decide um, to sort of spend some time doing this? Because it's, there's a lot of stuff you could do with your time, but schlep around pizzas. Um, we didn't really see it as a business. We saw it as something that would have been an incredibly fun project, much more exciting than anything else we were working on. Hmm. So more or less, I abandoned what I was doing before mm-hmm. to make no money. Um, <laughs> I literally went on unemployment. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so I could do this startup weekend thing. And we put on our first two big events, yep. one at Microsoft's campus in yes. Redmond, and then same weekend I was down doing one in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And we walked away from those first two events, and it was just, you know, with kind of tweaks, our own tweaks and flavor of the whole model. Right. And people were just on cloud nine and kind of the feedback of, you know, oh my gosh, you've changed my life forever. Yeah. And we just kept hearing those things for the weeks afterwards. Right. Sponsors were interested. And so it wasn't until several weeks after that first set of events that we did where we were like, all right, there's something here that could maybe look like a mm-hmm. business. Because I don't even think, I mean, because I was your early lawyer, I don't even think there was like an entity by that no. point. I mean, it was just like, this is like pure play. Let's do handshake agreement with Andrew. Exactly. And and I remember that you sort of called me, I mean, sort of in this place, hey, we sort of got to figure something out. What does this look like? And I was like, you guys aren't even serious about this thing. Like, what are you even doing? Yeah. And um, sort of next thing you know, I think that you had a business raise capital, like at the San Francisco one. I think there was, you know, the company that we wound up doing, learned that name, food spotting came out mm-hmm. of it, learned that name came out of it, that eventually got bought by Gist. So like yeah. you had the sort of like, 
the the early touch happened on these things, it sort of said like, okay, there's there's something here. Yeah. But did you still see it as a business, or did you? I mean, because I remember early on that in a lot of ways, this always felt like it was a means to something else, yeah. right? Like it was going to be there's a venture firm that comes out of this or whatever it was. It was never sort of like the thing. Was yeah. that kind of the way you guys kept seeing this early on? Um, after that first event and kind of the level of interest that we got, so no, up until that first event. Right. And then I think the momentum completely shifted after yeah. that. Like the yep. level of incoming, the number of people running in the door saying like, how do I take this to my hometown? And right. seeing some real successes. And um, yeah, the momentum kind of forced us to step back and ask the question like, all right, what do we do with this thing? So it was funny, Clint and I were literally having a conversation. All right, do we create a competitor? Because right. Andrew wants to sell it to us yeah. now. And yeah, like Andrew right. pitched us on like a couple couple hundred thousand dollars. I think we got him down to $130,000. Yeah. Yeah. But Clint and I were both freaking broke. Yeah. I'm on un- unemployment. I right. think he might have been too. <laughs> well, I remember too that like it seemed like $130,000 seemed like basically we structured the agreement in a way that like I don't think any of us thought we'd ever be able to even pay it back. It was yeah. kind of like, I remember. It was questionable. It was totally questionable. It was like, oh, this is cute. If this is what he's going to let us do to build and play, like, great. But I remember, like, as we were talking about it, you're like, I mean, as long as we're not on the hook for it, we're going to do it. But, like, I don't think we can necessarily get $130,000 back to him. Yeah. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Yeah. Right? That, uh, that would change very quickly. Yeah, we financed it through the actual operations of the business. So we right, had right. very basically no liability. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Like, uh, I guess, well, this will work. But I think Andrew had you know, traveled to probably 30 places. I think mm-hmm. there were 32 events by the time we got involved. Hmm. Um, and so Andrew had like literally been at almost every one of those. Mm-hmm. And I think he'd kind of burnt out. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. figuring out some kind of scalable model to actually turn it into a business, I mean, mm-hmm. still to this day, it's... Yeah, you don't make money by charging entrepreneurs, right? Right, fifty dollars a head, and we knew we didn't want to. So, right, you you have to get really creative to make it work, right? But even at that time, I mean, again, still, it was still early. I mean, it still had been in only a few places, and they were all kind of tech hubs. Was there kind of a moment when it flipped for you? When when it's like you know, people in Omaha want this, people in like you know Iran want this. Like, where were those sorts of moments in time where you were like, holy shit, this is not just kind of a little event thing we're doing. This is sort of becoming a movement. Beginning of 2010, I took a trip to Malaysia and I did four, I think four facilitated four startup weekends. And I, we ended up in this little town called Kelantan uh, at a university. Um, and Dash is the guy who ended up kind of organizing the whole trip. And Dash was just typical entrepreneur. He's like, oh, you'll just be fine. And yeah. I had no idea what the itinerary <laughs> was. He just kind of carted yeah. me around, pushed me in front of a bunch of people, and I had to do a song and dance. Um, but in, in this specific case, it was an outdoor university. Like really? most of the classes all taught outdoors. Huh. Um, very, you know. We're, we're, you know, we're not talking kind of first world. We're sitting in Georgetown University. Here. Yeah. Like they maybe had a couple buildings and they had some hardwired internet. And I think a handful of people even owned a laptop at this wow. thing. And so I had been doing it in these tech hubs and I kind of, you know, showed up with Dash and I'm like, hey, this isn't like, yeah. this isn't a technology university. Wi Fi is going to be spotty here. Yeah. And it's, by the way, it's 90 something degrees and 120. <laughs> 50% humidity and m- me being a white guy, I'm just sweating, yeah. just pitting out yeah. <laughs> near death experience for me. But um, walking in front of this c- crowd, I kind of forced myself to step into this. All right, like we need to boil this down to the basic elements of entrepreneurship. Like, mm. This is about people. 
solving real problems, mm-hmm. identifying their passions. Mm-hmm. Um, and we walked out of there probably one of the like most enjoyable events I've ever done. Hmm. But for me, it really taught me the power of entrepreneurship. Hmm. It doesn't matter if you're in, you know, middle of nowhere, Malaysia, Africa, yeah. the U.S. Gaza um, Strip, right? <laughs> it's, it's it's something really human. I think yeah. I walked away, and and at Up Global, kind of baked into our DNA and our our beliefs was to create to create is to be human, mm-hmm. and I think that was really codified for me there, and that's mm-hmm. where I realized the power of the model and right entrepreneurship in general. Well, not even that. I mean, it's you know, and I think again, sort of to undersell this, that as as you sort of just did, like this became part of the State Department's sort of mission on exporting entrepreneurship, right? Like, I mean, it's like unofficially, yeah, unofficially, <laughs> right? Like, but it's kind of like a crazy thing to think about at the time and the place where this kind of structuring of entrepreneurship as a discipline, as a pedagogy, all these things were not like. It was sort of business plan days before that, where now we're like tech entrepreneurship and like abilities to turn billion dollar companies in a weekend potentially. I, I, you know, I remember like you guys would be sending pictures of like heads of state that wanted to meet with you and like mayors and like it did become this like rock stars of entrepreneurship as especially globally. Did that feel weird to sort of see? Because it was going on in really magical here, but particularly when you got outside of the U.S., this is like where this became, this could change our country. Yeah. I mean, jobs, right? Think about globally. What's the one ubiquitous thing, regardless of any politics, that everybody cares about? Jobs. Yep. I think creating opportunity for more humans is is kind of fundamental to it. And so I think when we walk in and we've got this kind of thing that's that's new, it's sexy and it's it's it shows incredible promise in helping right. create those. Right. Um, yeah, we had, you know, heads of some <laughs> of the biggest companies and heads of some of the, you know, biggest countries in the world <laughs> yeah. that I got to meet, spend time with and um, I'd show up looking like yeah, I exactly. do right like, now. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, representing the real these. entrepreneurs. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's, and again, it's, did, did you, you know, one of the things I think is, is also interesting is that being kind of an accidental entrepreneur as, as you sort of were in this case, Hey, we just want to get community. We're missing community. Let's bring community together. Um, did you feel this tension oftentimes because, you know, you're sort of facilitating particularly a lot of like high tech business type things, like as the iPhone comes out and sort of people are building apps at startup weekends for the first time, you're seeing like new platforms emerge. Did you ever feel this like, hey, we're like an event company. Is this like really what, I mean, like, do you feel that tension at all as you were doing it? Oh, we had the existentially, I think <laughs> you know the answer to this a little bit. I'm asking, I'm asking the loaded question yeah. because I want you to tell the story. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it was totally an existential thing where we we were, what we delivered, like the what of what we did was an event. Yeah. An event company, actually. Yeah. You know, we had goals to be doing, you know, up to a thousand events a year. Um, providing like you know not just three hour events but like fifty four yeah. weekend long type events yeah. um, and but we knew it was bigger it was not right. about the events that was just right. the the method mm-hmm. uh, to help us deliver on the mission mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it and and like what what happened around like that sort of twenty twelve time frame when you sort of looked at like you guys at the time were this sort of like fun, scrappy group out of Seattle, and there kind of had become all of these other people who started to get in the game. Startup America, Startup Digest, you have all of these sorts of tech stars that started to get in the game. Uh, This kind of opportunity comes out. You're like, all right, like we could be this fun, scrappy company, or maybe there's something bigger. And that was sort of where you sort of came to this uh, mental place where it's like, 
I think we push our chips in. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk a little bit about kind of like the mind space in 2012 of what you saw in the landscape, which said there's a bigger play here globally to be something that could have a name as ambitious as Up Global. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, looking at the, just the communities, the far-reaching ends of the earth that the community, you know, we were in six cities in Iceland. <laughs> <laughs> People were running startup weekends. Um and, you know, I think probably one of the most endearing things we ever had, like an article, you know, Startup Weekend, the true democratizer of entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Um, so we became kind of the front door for creating real entrepreneurial experiences. And, and we started to see the individuals, not, not about the companies coming out, but right, the individuals right. going off and doing incredible right. things. They were the people that started co-working spaces, that started accelerators, that started venture funds. Like you yeah. look around today that ended up in politics, in the White House, <laughs> literally. Yeah. Um, the so, alumni group of this is kind of wild to think. It was particularly if you just just look at the high level yeah. of like the organizers, it's like sort of anywhere in the world you could probably get your foot in the door to because of this alumni. Network. Yeah, any I, like ironically, still to this day, I have people, some you know, in senior senior leadership positions, kind of emailing me. Oh yeah, like by the way, I got my start at Startup Weekend. I'm like. Wow, you know, yeah. it, not, it was to the point where we couldn't even track it. Right. We were working with right. the, the, literally the biggest foundation in the world dedicated to researching entrepreneurship, and we couldn't get our arms around it. Right. Um, so I think at 2012, we figured, all right, we need to double down. We need to try to get our arms around this thing mm-hmm. um, because the opportunity that we're creating for hundreds of thousands of people at this point, right. um, truly life-changing. Yeah. yeah. And that kind of puts you in the room where you, know, you 24-year-old upstart, drop out of your MBA program, sort of no business experience. Basically, I think one of the biggest things is you're in a room with one of the sort of founding team member from Priceline and Steve Case, the founder of AOL, to try and say like, let's go after the soul of entrepreneurship with kind of what what was at the time Startup America and saying like, maybe we should join forces. What was it sort of like to be walking into that room with those guys who are 20, 30, 40 years older than you and you're sort of saying like, I think we have the tiger by the tail. We should sort of subsume you as opposed to the other way around. Yeah, um, totally surreal, right? <laughs> yeah. And I think the one genuine lesson in that whole thing is we stayed true many points in time. We could have yeah. kind of sold out, mm-hmm. should it be? Because um, there's a lot of this top-down interest. And you know, we were talking, we could have taken a lot of government money, I think. But mm-hmm. there are many points in time we kind of said, no, we need to stay true to right. the entrepreneurs, the community leaders that are putting these on, really building this from the grassroots up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we stayed true to that. And because of that, we created something special that you could never do the other way around. Mm-hmm. And so that put us in a position where we had the community and the community yeah. listened to us. Like 200,000 people go into your programs a year, right? Yeah, like, I mean, 11,000 like, volunteers. Crazy. And, and like the size and scope of it. And these people are basically, and a lot of times they're like fronting money, paying their own money to put these things on mm-hmm. because they just believe so much in the mission of democratizing entrepreneurship. It's like... It's almost bonkers to say out loud if you really think about it, but it was just your normal every day. Yeah, and it sounds like a little bit like snake oil. Great, like okay, entrepreneurship, rah rah, right? right? We tried to be really careful about you know maintaining that neutrality, and yes, it was wrapped in the sex appeal of starting uh, a company, but mm-hmm. you know people got excited, and then I think if once you show up and you see a, what is truly possible when you put a room full of strangers in, start them all at zero, carte yeah. blanche, yeah. and force around a little bit of context, put some yep. guardrails up, um, what's yep. truly possible in just the course of a weekend. You know, a lot of people walk out of there doing more, you know, I accomplished more in a weekend than I did yep. five years of my last job or yep. four years of getting a degree or, you know, a lot of that kind of feedback. 
we talk a little bit, and you and I have talked about, again, sort of this concept of creators. And I, I think that Startup Week in a lot of ways, as much as we didn't quite fully know what it was, was really empowering creators. Because I think there was this sense of like, it, it's called Startup Weekend, but it really wasn't about starting companies. These are really like weekend projects that people got to actually try Absolutely. stuff. And so I would say, and you can tell me differently, but I'd say probably you know, maybe one in 30 people were really serious about starting a company that they wanted to go on after. Maybe the numbers are different, but it was about inspiring people to create something. What was interesting to you about seeing when you focus on humans and their growth as opposed to companies and that sort of stuff? Because now you're in the business of companies a little bit more versus sort of humans becoming their entrepreneurial potential. Yeah, it's 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 kind of just backing into the realization that uh, all entrepreneurs go through you know several different cycles. The, uh, there, there are some stats out there. The average entrepreneur fails seven times before they have a success, mm -hmm. right? And that can be, you know, those Works not- for 15 years before they have a, their first company. Yeah. That's a big one that I think you we realize is like, Oh yeah, there's a reason because they're not coming out of college and starting companies. They're like playing in this mess that they don't know how to do it when they have a job. And so we were always fascinated. The average age of people showing up to start a weekend was 32 years old, <laughs> and we got just boxed. Still yeah. to this day, everybody's like, "Oh yeah, it's like cute. It's for kids, right?" right. And it's like, no, actually, stats even show differently. Yeah. Nonetheless, if you look at like economic data, the mm -hmm. average successful entrepreneur starts closer to 40, mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. not 25. <laughs> right. Right. So yeah. did did you? Um, so, you know, I think you remember as you're sort of playing this space, you become up global. Now you're in charge of this huge sort of organization with a huge reach and a huge mission. Um, you know, Obama sort of is giving the, you know, record a video message to the, the, the summit of this, right? Like, it, it, did you feel a pressure to start to like, now you've kind of got to figure out this whole entire weird space? Like, did it start to become heavy on you a little bit? And uh, as this like mounting thing of all these people are counting on Mark and small team to sort of solve entrepreneurship globally. Yeah, massively heavy. Um, you know, one of our other co-founders, Frank, um, we spent a lot of time thinking <laughs> on a whiteboard as well. Yeah. Um, but the fascinating thing is we attracted some of the, you know, literally the most successful people on the face of the planet mm -hmm. um, and nobody had the answers. And it was mm -hmm. kind of this thing that you go through as on, you know, as an entrepreneur, as a human in life, you realize that like, no, you genuinely, if you're working on something unique, nobody's got the answer. You got to figure it out mm -hmm. yourself. Um, mm -hmm. So we really had, I think, carried that pressure a lot. Had a whole community kind of counting on us. So we, the real fork in the road was really all right. We kind of owned all this early stage entrepreneurship stuff. Right. We saw a ton of value that we were creating. Literally billion dollar companies. Yep. Um, you know, not to mention the individuals that were part of probably even bigger things. Right. Popping out of this thing, but we had no way to participate yeah. in the value creation. Yeah. And so you had this like broken economic model where creating a ton of value, but none of it was feeding back into right. the origin of that. Right. Um, and so really, you know, the, the fork in the road was double down and figure out how to make this sustainable mm -hmm. or, you know, start, you know, part, build by partner, right. the general adage. Um, and, uh, you know, build a venture fund, uh, investment group, an accelerator, you know, that was kind of where we were at back mm -hmm. in 2015 when mm -hmm. these conversations really began. Mm -hmm.